live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, welcome to the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder filling in for Jim. Don't worry, clones. It's just today. Jim is back tomorrow. Let's get the anger out of the way. Let's be happy. I'm looking at two friends and a guy named Jack Savage. It's my first shows. Yeah, since Jack Savage got on the program. Since Jack Savage. Man, it's so good. Uh, I have trouble calling Tom DiBenedetto chalk, but there, there's the one I can do. And there's Alvy. What's up, buddy? If you want to call, if you want to hang out with us here on the show, a lot to get to, give me a holler. 1-800-636-8686. Rome at habitake.com at jimrome, jimrome.com. You can yell at me or just say hi. It's fine. I'm used to it from NBA stars, so you can certainly do it. Sports writer, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. On Twitter, Jalen Hurts got paid. We'll get into that in about 20 or 30 minutes. A good amount of guaranteed money, not an earth-shattering amount. And the trend continues that the Browns are stupid and everything, including the contract they gave Deshaun Watson. So I get you, Lamar Jackson. We all want to get paid. I want money, too. You have to operate in the realm of what's realistic, and the Browns don't do that. So stop looking at that contract. Look at Hurts for the money that you're going to get, or actually not going to get. That's 20 minutes from now. My buddy Jared Greenberg, I love it when good things happen to good dudes, good people who work hard. Jared, now NBA on TNT reporter, as well as a host on NBA TV. He's been blowing up. He's going to be on the show about 30 or 40 minutes. Harold Reynolds will be on the program in an hour. Ty Dunn's going to be on the show, talk some NFL. And my guy Howard Beck, one of the best NBA writers in the country, will be here. We'll hit a bunch of stuff from the NBA playoffs. I want to start, though, with, with an apology. Don't do those a lot, right, on the radio. Sometimes... And it struck me in the chaos of the NBA playoffs, and we'll get into that as well. Other than maybe the Boston Celtics, though knock on wood, Celtics fans, given the injury bug that's out there, you never know. Every single series, every single one in this postseason is wide open. And we'll get into that later in the program. The the chaos, the historical nature, especially in the Western Conference, but with the injury to Giannis. Now, sources say, there's a report out there, just confirmed it from somebody in that that Bucks organization, that Giannis is expected to play in Game 2 with that back injury. But everything's wide open. And nothing more encapsulated the bizarro nature, which is great theater of this NBA postseason, than, and it wasn't even just the end of the game, Russell Westbrook, in a Clippers uniform, and I was watching the game yesterday, and there's an apology coming here, and for a few other folks in the NBA, and something felt wrong as the game continued. Every time Westbrook got the ball, I felt weird, almost lightheaded. I felt wrong, and then I realized I wasn't having an NBA panic attack watching Westbrook play basketball, which is what I'd grown accustomed to in all of his previous stops, including with the Lakers. Somehow, in some way, even before that heroic fourth quarter, don't look at the box score for Westbrook, it lies, they tend to. Even before Westbrook almost single-handedly saved the game for the Clippers, defensively for the most part, at the end of the game, it just struck me that he belongs on that basketball team. And for that, Mr. Westbrook, I owe you an apology. As does much of the NBA, and apparently people in luxury suites, which we'll get to in a minute as well, because we all wrote you off. We all said you didn't belong in the league anymore. We all thought you were checked notes for actual things I've said, Human hot garbage. You're not. He was phenomenal. And let me just, while I'm doing apologies, let me just throw Sam Preston in there. Sam, where are you? Where's the camera? CBS Sports Network, CBS Sports Radio. I'm sorry, buddy. You actually knew what you were doing with the whole get a bunch of draft picks, draft a bunch of guys. I know you're not in the postseason now, but it's coming. It's impressive. And Knicks fans, I'm really happy for Knicks fans because normally people just in the universe or on Twitter that are overwhelmingly annoying and insecure don't get good things happening for them, right? It sort of reflects their future. But I like good things happening to good people and to annoying fan bases. Where are you at, Knicks? I was wrong. Jalen Brunson's great. Your free agency last year wasn't a D plus. Thanks for uh, your continued interest, in my opinion, here on the Jim Rome Show and on Twitter. Congrats to the Knicks. Now, they won that opening game against the, the Cavs over the weekend. This could be a hell of a series. It's anybody's series. But the biggest apology goes to Westbrook. I'm looking at it now just to make sure it's right because I, I can't remember a time postseason or otherwise, that I've ever praised an athlete correctly to when they were 3 of 19 in a basketball game. Westbrook still can't shoot. That ball that you got to put in the, the circular hoop thing, that's still a challenge for Russell Westbrook. But box scores do lie. 
And sometimes, so do the troubles of athletes when they're just in the wrong place. Certainly more evident in the National Football League because systems matter. For those of you that love soccer, which I've gotten into, it certainly applies. Baseball, to, to a lesser degree, but we've seen guys just not fit in. Sometimes it get ma- gets masked in the NBA because it's a talent league. If you have talent, then usually it comes to the forefront. And it seemed like, because Westbrook's team's always lost, and even the Lakers are markedly better without him. Fourth best record in the NBA since Westbrook went away. Only teams with better records in that order, in this order, are the Celtics, the Bucks, the Sixers, all title contenders. So it felt like Westbrook was, checks notes again, human hot garbage. And he's not. And I'm sorry. Russ, I'm sorry. At the end of that game, against a Suns team that, that everyone presumed would win that thing, which was the wrong presumption, by the way, in part because, and give him credit, I'm a huge fan of this guy, sarcasm alert, uh, Chris Paul is trying to be the first athlete to win a series at 108 years old based on how he moves, I think. Do I have the age right? That's a challenge. And the fact that no matter how talented you are, and Chris Paul knows this from previous stops, when there is tension on basketball teams, it comes out under the pressure of the postseason. A GM taught me that once. It's true. And DeAndre Ayton is not Mr. Rainbows, puppy dogs, unicorns, happy guy. He's not happy there. Chris Paul plays a role in that. But the main thing is obviously Kevin Durant's presence increases the expectations for a Suns team that was already really dynamic and really good. But it also is really hard, historically improbable. It never happened. And maybe Durant's good enough to, to change this with Devin Booker and CP3 and Aiton and that team. But no players ever come in at that talent level, that importance level, and successfully taken a team to a championship with such a small lead time to get to know each other. And you saw it in the game yesterday. But still... And it's a seven-game series. For the Clippers to win this series, remember, there's no Paul George. Probably not going to be Paul George in this series. Kawhi Leonard, we've forgotten how good he is, and we can hit that later. The guy is a historically great postseason basketball player. And I think it's okay that we've lost sight of that because he never plays and he's never around. But they needed Russell Westbrook to be impactful. I was going to use the word exceptional. To be critical in key moments. And I'm, I'm watching the game. And in every single NBA game, I think literally this year, I'll be on CBS Sports HQ post-game if you want to come check it out. I was watching the game, had the old earpiece in, was watching it, getting ready to go on camera, and I forget sometimes that I'm mic'd up, and I'm just screaming, don't shoot it, don't let Westbrook shoot it, and everyone's making fun of me. But what, what, what Westbrook did do is have huge impact plays. Had a couple rebounds that were critical in that 115-110, I think was the final score of the game. It was. But what really encapsulated Westbrook's competitiveness and Man, it's a cliche, but it's true. His fire and the spirit of his will to win. And really to prove all of us wrong. To extract, he doesn't care about me per se, although he did once when I once talked some smack about him in front of him and didn't realize it, so maybe he does. Extract the apology from the universe he thinks he has coming. There was a moment that, that summed up his ability to still try and get that through basketball greatness that's not offense. That's not the guy that he is anymore. And that was a critical play in a one-possession game at the end of the game, guarding Devin Booker, who himself is a superstar, and I think will benefit as much or more than anyone from Kevin Durant's presence. And Booker, who's such a talent offensively, drives to the hoop, and Westbrook plays amazing defense, confounds him, and then has a play. It's not a rebound, but basically stops the shot, blocks the shot, and then hits it off Booker, Clippers ball, basically Clippers ball game. Huge play. And if you think that I'm overstating... Russell Westbrook's desire for an apology, the anger he feels, which is sometimes irrational. I mean, if he had gone 3 of 19 and not played those big plays they lost, maybe I'd have a different perspective here. Maybe he'd be wrong. He is feeling all the feels because literally, at halftime yesterday, in a luxury suite, those are hard to get to. I've been in those. I've had to sneak in a couple times when I'm covering games because I got really hungry. Jim Jackson snuck me in once. Thank you, Jim. Then I think Jerry West made me leave. Unfortunately, that's a true story. They're hard to get into. Westbrook goes into a luxury suite at halftime of a playoff game and confronts, and you should find the video because there's a very confounded, I want to look tough, but what do I do fan? I think we all look that way. And we're going to bleep some of this here because Westbrook uh, used what we call in the writer household adult words because my son Henry uses them. But Henry, that's, but daddy uses it. Yeah, so does Russell Westbrook, but you can't, buddy. Here is Russell Westbrook. Literally at halftime, confronting a fan in a luxury suite. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Talk about it. Be a 
Watch, watch your mouth. You know what? He can say that now to the rest of the NBA. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? Long series. Covered enough of these things to know that winning a single game, even a game as important as an opening round series in a 4-5 matchup against a Suns team that can get in rhythm, I think, can beat anybody, but also maybe can feel confounded if the wheels come off a little bit, it doesn't mean the series is over. I, I get it. And I know the 3 of 19 is, is a little problematic for those of us today, myself included, who wake up defending Russell Westbrook. But the reality is almost nobody gave the Clippers a fighting chance in that game or this series. Because we... (laughs) Oh, my God, Kawhi. Because we've forgotten about that guy. I forgot about that laugh. I forgot the guy. Yeah. And I covered the NBA. It's easy to forget he just plays in it still. He's missed so much time. And the obnoxious nature of load management that he and the Clippers do in the extreme. And not trying to do a karma thing, but I guess it didn't really work for Paul George to stay healthy. I guess that whole load management thing didn't really, didn't really pay off. And, and PG's brutal injury. So you look at this team, like, oh, I guess, I guess Kawhi's there, and Paul George is out, and I, I guess Westbrook's, yeah, they're, they're, they're toast. They're not. Give Westbrook credit. And his ability to find the right place and find the right fit and to channel his anger and his frustration, it speaks to what's going to be a hell of a fun NBA playoffs. It really will be. It is anybody's thing to win. So if you've got a take, you've got a perspective, you want to call in, if you have an apology that either you want to extend to somebody, because it feels good to say you're wrong. I don't mind. I'm right 97% of the time. That's why the show before this one is called Rider Than You on CBS Sports Radio. I really am. So it's pretty obnoxious. I know every radio host says that. So it makes it easier for me to say I'm wrong when I was wrong. I was wrong on Sam Presti. What he's building is, ph- is phenomenal. And I was wrong on the Knicks. They're still going to lose the series against the Cavs, I'm pretty sure, but whatever. Jalen Brunson has been phenomenal, and the Knicks look great. So there you go. There's your apology, Knicks fans, you asked for. But I was certainly wrong, at least yesterday, and it was a big one, because it's a win for the Clippers that Westbrook can't contribute anymore. That is greatness. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, so his Hall of Fame career, he's won an MVP. His competitive spirit, that it's all become meaningless. It's not. Somehow, for some reason, next to Kawhi Leonard, who's so good, on a Clippers team that believes in themselves against a really dangerous Suns team that's still vulnerable because they're getting used to each other. Russell Westbrook, 3 of 19 Russell Westbrook was a difference maker. If that doesn't sum up the unpredictable reality of the NBA this year and why it is the most fun to watch the association postseason in living memory, one GM told me it is the most wide-open NBA playoffs in the history of the sport. Now, I can only speak to probably going back to the Jordan era, but it certainly worked. I think it's true for me. And Westbrook playing good basketball, key basketball, to send, listen to this stat. Bleacher Report put it out there. I didn't believe it. I went to double check it, but DiBenedetto did it before I could. To send Kevin Durant to his seventh consecutive playoff loss in a row. Russell Westbrook has won more playoff games consecutively right now than Kevin Durant. Watch your mouth, KD. All right. 1-800-636-8686. Bill Ryder filling in for Jim today here on the Jim Rome Show. Listen to us on CBS Sports Radio. Watch us on CBS Sports Network. You can do a combo thing if you want. Whatever you want to do, we got you. We got you. Sports Ryder on Twitter, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R, Rome, at haveatake.com. If you got a call or a perspective or an apology for somebody, we'll get to it. But Jalen Hurts got paid. A lot of money. Deserve it. But lessons, yeah, get that cash. Get your money. Lessons for Lamar Jackson if he'll listen next year on the Jim Rome Show.
Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. In the face of criticism, in the face of previous failure, in the face of an inability to shoot the basketball, which, you know, tends to be important in the NBA slash the the, break. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh man, I once did a fake stand-up to help somebody in Oklahoma City and just helping a young person get tape, TV thing. It wasn't real. Didn't realize Westbrook was behind me, so said a bunch of crazy stuff about how much he was terrible just to loosen up the reporter. Turned around, he was just staring daggers at me. But he walked off. He didn't, you know, there's no luxury sweet madness, which uh, Chris Haynes, by the way, excellent NBA reporter, is reporting the league is, in fact, looking into Westbrook's exchange with the Suns fan that we let you listen to a moment ago here on the Jim Rome Show. It happened in the club area that's used by some players and coaches, a shortcut to the locker room and the arena bowl. Uh, Haynes also, I believe, reported, I saw out there, that uh, he's not expected to miss game two. Slim chance. Unlikely. We'll see. And um, here's another one for you. We don't owe... By the way, at Jim Rome or Sports Writer, Sports R E I T E R, whatever you want to do on Twitter. We don't owe Russell Dressbrick anything. He was being paid $47 million to shoot like Plaxico Burris, and the Lakers were going nowhere with him. He made big plays yesterday, but he still is who he is. By the way, both things can be true. They are 100% the Lakers, markedly better without him. And I can tell you, just talking to sources, that organization. It wasn't just the on-floor problem with Westbrook. He never fit with LeBron James, which is a LeBron James mistake. Yeah, there it is. By the way, it became toxic, and sources told me at a certain point before the trade, coaches had asked permission to just send him home. But obviously that makes it hard to trade a guy if you do that. That's how bad it got. But the Lakers are great without him. They really are. I think they can win the whole thing. I wrote this the other day over at CBSSports.com. But I think the Clippers can make a deep run, too. All right, we'll get to some more tweets later. Some phone calls, 1-800-636-8686. Sam Presti, you got my phone number. You got your apology. Hope you're doing good, buddy, in Oklahoma City. Way to go. You too, Knicks fans. You're so sensitive. I'm going to New York tomorrow morning to do some uh, live CBS Sports HQ stuff, and I'll be live for the show I do here at CBS Sports Radio in the morning. And, and I half the time want to pack extra Kleenex just to hand to Knicks fans if I see any in the street because how sensitive they are. I lived in New York for two years, lived in Brooklyn, loved it. Yeah, it's a great place. But, man, like all the thick skin you guys have to, you know, to get on the two and the three. I've done that. Ooh, I'm tough. Apply it to your sports ball. It's going to be okay. That guy was mean to us one time. Let's send him tweets for three years. Chill, bro. To quote that famous movie, The Paper, it was your turn. And you guys have sucked for a long time. But I'm glad you're better now. I'm glad I was wrong. You got to admit you're wrong. Lamar Jackson should probably do that. Not easy. Not easy. Self-awareness is hard. But sometimes it can come in the form of breaking news for another quarterback who's painted the picture of what the market is in the National Football League. Jalen Hurts got paid. I think Ian Rappaport had this first this morning. Five years for Jalen Hurts, Eagles quarterback. Almost Super Bowl champion. $255 million. Here's the key number. A a smidge over $179 million. Let's round up because it'll make it easier. Almost $180 million guaranteed. Now, here are the things. Let's start here. I hate having to make everything about Lamar Jackson, but I guess we do. It's part of the deal. It's part of. I think it's in. The, I think it's in the contract somewhere. I don't know. Jalen Hurts deserves this money. Talk about good dudes earning their money. The guy is a top. I don't know three, four quarterback in the National Football League. He has found a coach and a coordinator who know how to utilize his gifts, which are unique and rare, but not typical, to great success. And he is now the third highest paid quarterback, if, as we, I think we should, if we measure this by guaranteed money. First is Deshaun Watson, who got, what, a quarter of a billion dollars guarantee, which is stupid, and, and the Browns are stupid, and it was a dumb idea. Even if Deshaun Watson were really, really good, which he may not be, or there weren't this ugly stain of accusation and human awfulness in accusation to at least attach them, which there were. It's just bad for the market. Kyler Murray is the second highest paid quarterback by guaranteed money. And then I believe Mr. Hertz comes in at 
at third. And by the way, again, if you're transitioning to what this means for Lamar Jackson, it's, hey, Lamar, look at the market. Deshaun Watson did not have a good season when he returned in Cleveland. There's no guarantee it's going to work. At least right now today, every owner in the National Football League and the GMs who work for them look at the Deshaun Watson contract and say, hell no. And I'm sure Jim said this a bunch. I know we have over on my show. It doesn't matter whether or not the owners got together in a secret layer somewhere or not. It doesn't even matter if it's collusion or not. They're not going to allow, coincidental, wink, wink, or not, wink, wink, that contract to be the norm and be the standard the end. So the problem for Lamar Jackson is not actually a debate about whether or not he deserves the money, although I think that's an open question. Because remember, Jalen Hurts this past season did a couple things Lamar Jackson didn't. He stayed healthy, he won a playoff game, then he won more playoff games, then he made a Super Bowl. Those are critical distinctions. Jalen Hurts actually is not getting paid on proof of concept. He's shown what he can do. And he's shown that he fits into a team and a system. And I know the Eagles are really good. I know. They're really good defensively. That's not the point. The point is with Jalen Hurts and the offense he provides, the Eagles know, because we all saw it, that they're good enough to win the Super Bowl. They didn't, but they're good enough. And he was excellent in that game. They're good enough to win. Lamar Jackson, a few years ago, when he won an MVP, the one that everyone keeps citing as the reason he should, I don't know, break the market, even though markets don't work that way, they went 14-2, they lost their opening playoff game. You have to win playoff games in order to get paid like a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. I'm, look, I'm not an NFL scout or a GM, and I know this math I'm going to throw here is really hard to, to sort of process, but you have to, I think, win playoff games to be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. I think that's part of the deal. It's part of the process. So there's that reality. But even if that weren't part of the equation, part of the reality— even if you wanted to ignore the fact that Lamar Jackson either wasn't healthy at critical times at the end of the season for the Ravens or wasn't willing to play through whatever he was, wasn't willing to play through because he was negotiating, whatever it is, that's a problem. But even if that weren't the case, Jalen Hurts' deal today is the market. That's the market. I wouldn't even look at Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray is not a reliable quarterback. The Cardinals are a really badly run organization. And when, thank you, Lord, on behalf of a command, I'm not even a commander's fan, but I got a bunch of buddies who aren't. Again, I don't want bad things to happen to whole groups of people. When Dan Snyder finally sells, and there's a report out there from a local TV reporter in D.C. that there's a last-minute Cape Crusader bid coming in of $7 billion, of which one a guy named Brian Davis, I guess, went to Duke. Is that I got this right? I, he, okay. $1 billion, I'll give it to you now. What is this, a drug deal? I'll give me the money right now in a case, and I'll get you the rest of the money. I'll get you $6 more billion in a week, okay? Cool? All right. I don't know anything about anything other than I kind of do, so let me give you a little speculation what I think is going on. That's a big deal to try and sort of take away the, the, the bid from Josh Harris, who's a very, by the way, impressive owner. He leads the group. They own the Sixers. They've done a great job of the Sixers. It'd be a great situation for the commanders. The problem is the NFL wants every team to sell for a bunch of money. Six billions, you know, less than seven billion. What's going on here? Why would that story be broken by a local Washington, D.C. anchor? Because there's a good chance it's coming from Dan Snyder's people to just force Josh Harris' people to spend more money. That's what's going on. And why did I bring that up? Because when, mercifully, Dan Snyder sells to, I imagine, the Josh Harris-led group, but maybe the Cape Crusader mystery group that's got money in a, you know, a suitcase and we'll meet you in a parking garage to the other $6 billion. Who's the worst owner in sports after that? I asked this question of, I can't call you Chalk, dude. I can't do it. I can't call you Chocula. Tom produced me before he produced Jim. I can't do it. All right. So, you do look like him a little bit. Chalk, uh, Tom. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Um, the Cardinals might have the worst ownership situation in professional sports. And that reality is reinforced by the fact Kyler Murray, who has the second highest guaranteed money, is not a reliable QB. So the top two quarterbacks in terms of guaranteed money, Deshaun Watson, who broke the market, and Kyler Murray, who probably is right at the market, he's just not the right quarterback to be there, those are warning signs to owners, not encouragement to give Lamar Jackson, who represents himself, a bunch of money. This isn't. A, and the other thing is it's not about what Lamar Jackson is worth. None of us get paid what we are worth. For better and mostly worse, we get paid what we negotiate. And here are the negotiating facts for Lamar Jackson. He has not stayed healthy. He has not made deep playoff runs. He is really impressive, but they're betting on the future. They're betting on the come to give a Vegas term. They're not betting on what they know the way that the Eagles just did. They're not. 
So the market is not $250 million or whatever the hell it was for Deshaun Watson. It breaks my brain to try to recall. Or what Kyler Murray makes. It is Jalen Hurts at five years, $255 million. But the number that counts is $179 million and change, round up to $180 million, for a guy that actually made a Super Bowl, who's younger, and at least for the moment, who seems more durable. That's the reality. And, and by the way, good for Jalen. I mean, Lamar Jackson will talk about it. And at some point, Aaron Rodgers... I wonder if Aaron Rodgers has to go back into a darkness retreat to figure out what happened as the Packers hold that deal up. I know those guys dominate the news. Good for Jalen Hurts to get paid. It's nice to see dudes who play to high level, who grind. And I can't remember if Hurts was the end of the first round or early part of the second round. But regardless, who is not a top, top draft pick, go out there and have this kind of success. It is really, really cool and really, really exciting. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year... They automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. I think the Lakers actually have a better than a puncher's chance of being really surprising in this postseason. We're going to talk about that in about 15 or 20 minutes. There's a historical reality. Sometimes people forget. We'll hit that in, in a little bit. Howard Beck will be on the show. But right now, I'm so glad we got this gentleman on. One of my favorite people in the business is Harold Reynolds, longtime former player, MLB Network analyst. Remember, MLB Network has Otani, Trout, and the Angels against Judge and the Yankees all week. What a series. Uh, beginning tomorrow, and Harold will be lucky enough to be out at Yankee Stadium on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time for MLB tonight leading up to the telecast. Harold, what a what a showdown. What a bunch of stars that's going to be. Oh, man. It's, 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 uh, it's the star of stars, no doubt about it. But, you know, that's the way it's supposed to be in Yankee Stadium, uh, having the big stars out showing up in New York, and it's almost like being on Broadway. But we'll get a chance to see Trout, Otani, Judge. Uh, too bad Stanton's out right now. Um, it's fire, fireworks, so firepower, no doubt. I, I can't wait to see it. I, obviously, Harold, every question I'm going to ask you is going to be you know, predicated on the reality that it's a very long season, and it's unlikely, for example, that the Rays are going to go 150 and 12 or whatever the math would be, and, and there's a long ways to go. But, but that said, we all know that Otani is an all-world transcendent talent. He's on a one-year contract. And next season, he's going to have some, some choices. Is there outsized pressure, even though we're only in April, for the Angels to play well so that they can try and increase the odds that next year when you're talking about Shohei Otani, you're still discussing the Angels as his team? Well, I, yeah, no doubt about it. But I, th- I think even greater for now, um, there's outside pressure on the Angels to perform and be in contention by trade deadline. Because then the, the challenges really happen. If they're out of it by trade deadline, what do you do with Otani? And that means that that clock to time up and lock him up turns speeds up a little bit further. And it also means that uh, free agency is looming a little bit quicker. So what do you do at that point in time? So I think there's pressure on them early right now to start playing better, playing good ball, and then by trade deadline. So their season's a little shorter than most. Harold Reynolds, obviously Otani, we, we know what he's about. Trout is a his own, you know, ridiculous historical talent. Those two guys are incredible, but baseball is the ultimate team sport and it requires an entire roster. Well, what have you made of, of the Angels so far and where do you expect them to be when that shortened season rolls around and the trade deadline looms close? Well, they're better than I thought they were going to be. I think they're getting better pitching. Um, they have to pitch and that's the whole key. It's not like their, their roster has not, has not hasn't hit in the past. I love their lineup. I think their lineup's the best one that Trout has probably played in since uh, his first two seasons. So I think they're well-rounded. They're a little bit deeper. Uh, they just called up the kid Nito, the shortstop. He's going to be fun to watch. Um, so he'll add a compliment to their, their youth movement they're having a little bit. But, again, it comes down to them having to win. I think they're better, but they have to pitch. And the only way the Angels are going to win is starting pitching has to be better. Harold Reynolds here on the Jim Rome Show. I'm Bill Ryder filling in for, for Jim. Harold, I, I know we talk a lot about Otani, and we, we should, but Mike Trout 
has had a remarkable career with very little playoff time, obviously. How long in the modern game where we see across all sports guys playing much longer in their careers than they used to, what is the, the Mike Trout window just, just for him? How long can he play at a really, really high level, do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, he's a unique talent. Uh, it all comes down to physical uh, capabilities. And, and physically right now, uh, he's continued to hold up. I know he had a little bit of an injury last year, but for the most part, I think he's one of these athletes that trains all year round, takes care of himself well, lifestyle's great. So he can play into his 40s, it's a matter of if he wants to or not. And I think as long as that, that title's elusive to him, it's going to continue to drive him. But um, really, that comes down to Mike Trout. How long does he want to play? Because physically, I think he'll be able to. Remember, MLB Network has the guys we're talking about, Otani, Trout, uh, and the Angels against Judge and the Yankees all week. That begins tomorrow, and Harold's going to be out there at Yankee Stadium uh, starting tomorrow Wednesday, or shoot, starting Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific for MLB tonight leading up to that telecast. It is a it is a hell of a series with really talented players. Harold, one of my mer- many character flaws, and I have many, is that I just I don't like change. I'm not good with change, and I love, <laughs> I love baseball, right? So, like, I'm so used to – I mean, when – when they went to, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when it was just the NL split into two, right? As, as Major League Baseball has <laughs> innovated, I have been resistant. And when I heard the pitch clock was going to be a thing, I banged my head against the wall. I screamed and howled at the moon. And, and I think I was wrong. But, but, I mean, you're an expert. How, how have you found the actual implementation as, as a former big leaguer, as an MLB analyst, and as a fan of the game? How, how do you find the sport now that the pitch clock is obviously a serious factor in, in how we now consume that sport well i love it I, I love the clock i think it was necessary um like any change i think you'll get used to it and within about three seasons you won't even be talking about the clock i think it'll be implemented throughout our whole sport system all the way down to youth baseball i went to a, a youth baseball game the other day and it was two hours to play three or four innings and it was like come on now and I wish they had a clock because kids emulate what big leaguers do. And once the, the, they start getting in the box like the major leaguers and get the pitch and throw it, their games are going to speed up as well. So I don't think we're going to see it. The difference is when we were playing ball in the 80s and 90s, that was the pace of the game. It was basically get in the box, let's go, because you had everybody on the field screaming at a guy. It wasn't so much of – the bravado that we have now, you know, you hit a ball and it's about you, you flip the bat, you style, and that's what the kids do today. That's a generational thing. Our generation, if I took a big swing, the next pitch, I got knocked down, you know? So it was just different. But I do think the one thing that got away was you got, the games got too long and the ball was not in play. So when you don't have action, you have to create action. And I think this, Beating the clock up has created action in the sport. So I, I think it's been a very positive move, and I think it's going to get better. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just twenty nine ninety nine. So unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for twenty nine ninety nine with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Yeah, I, I've loved it. I've been, I mean, I should be surprised. I'm wrong on, on, on change all the time. It turns out different things, you know, innovation can, can be good. But with every, with every necessary rule change, there, there come realities maybe we didn't anticipate. I know it's early in the process, but from a tactical perspective, pitcher versus hitter, who is this going to be advantageous for, Harold? Who wins, the pitcher or the hitter, over the course of this MLB season with this pitch clock in place? I think it depends on the individual. You know, um, I think guys are starting to figure out how they can use the timeout to break up rhythm. Uh, we're also seeing pitchers get fatigued more, and they have to realize i got to be in better shape. So, I, I, again, I think this is going to come over time. It depends on who the individual is. Some guys – had a habit of, of just getting in the box anyway, so it never affected them. Other guys would take the swing, they're major overthinkers. Oh, one, what's he going to throw me? He just threw me this. Oh, what am I anticipating? And they're wandering around trying to figure it out. So I, I, it just comes down to an individual. And as uh, 
we're working through this time. Uh, we've watched some pitchers, quick pitching guys, and hitters wait until the last second to get in the box. And then the last thing on this, the Yankees have figured out how to steal bases. You know, they're, they're waiting until that pitch clock goes down, and then they take a big hop and they take off. So I think everybody's filling it out to get their advantage and see what works best for them. I mean, this is the old school of me. I miss stolen bases. I miss the hit and run. I, I know it sounds like I'm saying I miss the typewriter, but I do. I do. And I, do, do you think there's a scenario where the things you're describing and, and the pitch clock as everybody figures it out, where we get – I know it's not going to revert back to 1989 baseball where Mark Grace is suddenly on my screen at number 17 and I'm 12, but are we going to revert maybe a little bit to, to some of those parts of the game that, that have gone away the last decade or so? Absolutely. Uh, that's part of the, what we're seeing. Strategy is coming to the game. For 10 years, it was home run, strikeout, everybody's playing into a shift, and it just was like, what are we doing? There was no scenario for a hit and run. Guys weren't running the bases. The league leaders were still in 30 bases. I mean, come on, Ricky Henderson had that in two months. You know, so we just uh, are now starting to see what – what we'd gone through and the struggle that we were, we were basically having with our sport. And now it's been jump-started. I'm excited about it. We're seeing strategy come in. Uh, a lot of things are starting to happen with, with those little moves that have been made. Uh, it's so exciting. Uh, Harold, obviously, it's, again, I've said this nine times. I'll say it a tenth. It's really early in the season. But the NL West is – is super interesting. I mean, the, the Padres haven't gotten out to the start that they want, and I, I, I know it's April, but but right now Arizona is atop that division. Do you have any reason, with such a small sample size, to have any concerns if you're the Dodgers out here on the West Coast that maybe you're not quite the, at the level of dominance we've mostly grown accustomed to the last six, seven, eight, nine years? Well, yeah, I think there's got to be some current concern. As you go through April, you fill out what you have, uh, the depth of your team, what moves you have to make. But the beauty of the Dodgers, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. They have the the wherewithal in the minor leagues to make trades if they need to. They have money to acquire contracts if you need to make a move. Like, you know, we saw Soto last year be a free agent or talked about in a trade or he was able to be picked up by San Diego. You know, so those are the things that the Dodgers can still do. Uh, they're not, in my mind, the team that they were last year. They've got some, some kinks to to work through. Uh, but all that said and done, it's still one game out of first, two games. I mean, they struggled there. I think they're playing 500 ball and they just got swept by the Cubs and they look up and they're still only a day, a game or two out of first place in the standings. So I think the Dodgers are going to be fine. I still think they're the club that you have to beat out on the West coast right now. Uh, Harold Reynolds here on the Jim Rome show, hanging out with us. I'm Bill Ryder filling in for, for Jim. Harold, again, super early. Is there anybody that's not playing well, any team that you think over the course of an actual season is is poised to be surprising or, or to be really good who's just gotten out of the gate slow that, that jumps out to you? Well, I, I think there's a couple teams. Uh, the Blue Jays haven't taken off like you expected. A lot of people, um, Tampa running off 13 wins in a row, kind of put everybody on their heels. But I think the Toronto Blue Jays are a really good club. Uh, Seattle's not playing uh, like I think they're capable. They kind of got their stride in the last uh, four or five days. But I think the real test and teller for anybody listening, watching, thinking about it, is when you get to May 1. You know, when you get to that May 1 marker, May 2, you start making those moves. You gave that young player a chance to play. He didn't perform. Or that older player, like the Mets have given uh, – Escobar time to play. Now they're bringing up Beatty to play third base. You know, you'll start seeing moves like that. The Angels went, like I was talking about earlier, they're bringing up Nito now. He's going to get tasked to make the run the rest of the year. So you spend spring training in April to see what you really have, and you adjust your club. And then by May, really tells you a lot of what the general manager's thinking about his team. Harold Reynolds, last question for you. I'm going to circle back to Otani since MLB Network has that Yankees-Angels game, a three-game series starting tomorrow. You're going to be there on, on Wednesday at Yankee Stadium. I know Angels fans. I understand that they desperately want Otani to stay. And I do, too, because I live in L.A. and I get to drive my kids to see games. And the producer of the show, Tom DiBenedetto, lives within, like, spitting distance, so he gets to see Otani whenever he wants. But if you take a, a larger view, and, and you, Harold Reynolds, were, were asked, which you're about to be, what is best for Major League Baseball? Is there a place, does it matter where Otani plays 
in an attempt to continue to grow the sport, given the fact the pitch clock is going to shorten games. It's really exciting. There's probably an opportunity to pull in more fans. Can Otani be a big enough deal somewhere else to be a game changer for the sport going forward after this season? Well, I'll answer it with, no, he can still do what he's doing right there in Anaheim uh, because the game is so global now. Um, and I watched Ken Griffey Jr. transform Seattle and make it a, a national known destination. Clearly, it's not the old days of New York and L.A. are the only place you see athletes. So I, I, I think as far as that's concerned, no. But as a sport in a whole, I mean, yeah, you want him in a huge market because that's just what we're used to, right? And people see that happening all the time. But uh, he doesn't have to. Let's put it that way. He doesn't have to leave Anaheim to be a big deal. Just, I guess, the playoffs then. That is, like, they need to be a playoff team to maximize Got to get in the playoffs. We got to have Otani and Trout in the playoffs for our sport to, to really see the best. You know, it'd be, it'd be a crime not to see a young Justin Herbert ever make the playoffs. Think about that. We're watching Herbert already, and his type of career to start is like Mike Trout's start. Now imagine if we never saw Herbert in the playoffs for eight for ten years. Imagine that. That's what we're going through in baseball. It, it struck. So, yeah, you you got to see that. Yeah, and I knew it, but it struck. I know it's a month ago, whenever it was. But when the World Baseball Classic, and obviously Otani versus Trout is pretty ridiculous in its excellence. But just seeing Otani in, in, in the WBC, it, it hit me, Harold, how significantly cool it would be to just have him in the playoffs. Well, and, and it takes the player to another level of competition. You know, it's one thing to compete. There's only certain dates in the calendar, and that's why this New York Yankees series is so big because you play 162 games, and there's only certain dates on the calendar. You circle and go, all right, I'm going to be at my best this weekend. This is going to be awesome. Do you want to play at high level every day? Yeah, but there's certain, there's certain times on the calendar that just take you to another level, and we saw that with Otani. I hadn't seen that game face. I hadn't seen him go to the mound and say, give me the ball. I'll take it. We need a W. I'm winning the game. You, you don't get opportunities like that until the postseason comes along. It, and that would be cool to see. It was it was so cool. Uh, Harold Reynolds, every time I get to talk to you, whether here or the show I do uh, before Jim's show, it, it's, it's a pleasure. And I learned something. And as always, thank you, thank you, and I appreciate you making time. All right, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. I'm on there at SportsWriter, Sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. Every time I, I fill in, and I love doing it. Yep, it's true again. I look at my uh, Twitter on my screen, and it's, you know, where it's like 20-plus or 100-plus. And I go home. Actually, I have work, so I'll have to do it really late. I have to be on post-game the last game. So midnight tonight, Pacific time. 3 a.m., those of you on the East Coast. So I'm going to pour myself a really tall, probably Angel's Envy, but I've got some Blanton's left, maybe that. And then I'm going to read all of your tweets. And 80% of them are going to be extremely mean. And that's okay, man. I know that's part of the deal. So get in there. Sports writer, sports, uh, R-E-I-T-E-R. You know who's not mean? Who I like? Ty Dunn. He's going to be on the show in about 20 minutes. He's zooming. So if you want to see him, if you want to see what Ty Dunn looks like, get over to CBS Sports Network if you're not already there. Or you can just listen on CBS Sports Radio. It'll be great. And Howard Beck, who's not Zooming but is awesome, will be on the show an hour after that. So I asked Jerry, Jerry Greenberg last hour when he was on the show if he thought the Lakers could make a run. And he sort of politely said, uh, not really. I, I'm going to respectfully disagree. And, and there's a lot of reasons. But there's one that I think is hiding in plain sight and we're missing. Let me give you the obvious stuff that's not hiding in plain sight. As I've said several times because it jumps out to me, the Lakers are the fourth best team since the trade deadline. And what does that mean? It means, I think LeBron is maybe the best player of all time and certainly the worst GM of all time. It's an interesting paradox. Since the Lakers wrestled control of actual decision-making of player personnel from LeBron and let, I can't believe Rob is good at this compared to LeBron, but he is. Good job, Rob Palenka. Let Rob Palenka make some moves. This team is the fourth best in the NBA. You know who's better? The Celtics. Yeah, they're, oh my God, Palenka, he's a character. Uh, that's a nice way of saying he's an interesting guy, which is, you know, what he is. The Celtics have a better record. They're the favorites. The Bucks have a better record. They're one of the favorites. And the Sixers have a better record. They would be a favorite if Doc Rivers wasn't their coach, but he is. So just, I would, I would write them off. The Lakers are exceptionally good over that stretch. They've got three point shooting. You saw this from Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves. I'm that guy. Is that what he yelled? I'm him? Yeah, he is. I'm him. 
I'm going to yell though when I get done here before I read all of your tweets because I want to just feel some, you know, feel some confidence and some swagger before you suck. Don't worry, Jim's back tomorrow. Yeah. You suck. Oh my God. Yeah, he is. And, and those guys, by the way, showing that they can win a game, and Anthony Davis and LeBron James played really well, but showing that they can get wins, actual wins against good basketball teams from, from supporting cast, it's critical. So that's a big part of it. The record's a big part of it. The fact the Western Conference is so wide open, the fact that John Morant got injured, that you have to get lucky. The Raptors still have a banner hanging in their arena in Toronto. It counts, even though there were a bunch of injuries that caught up to the Warriors. It's part of the deal. The Lakers are better defensively. They're better shooting. Russell Westbrook's gone. I know that I praised Westbrook at the start of the show, but it can be both. Great performance despite the 3 of 19 for the Clippers over the Suns yesterday, but he was a disaster. He subtracted from the sum of all human joy on that Lakers team. I promise it was a bad, bad fit. But here's the thing that really has been overlooked. His name's LeBron James. How do we keep doing this? The guy is one of the greatest players in the history of the sport, and he's been injured at times this year, and he's looked old at times this year, and he's not the same level of dominant player, and he's not a top five player in the NBA, and so we presume, because we're creatures of what is now, in the moment, what's shiny, what's cool, what's young, what's hip, we forget this guy's ability in these moments to take over a sport, and he can do it again. And let me just give you some historical context. I'm going to give you a couple. I could do this all day, but I'm going to give you a couple that are going to seem obvious, but they weren't in the moment. Let's start with the most, the most important example. When Tom Brady, as a 43-year-old, went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You will remember, they were good. They were not exceptional. They had to go on the road in every one of those games. They had to finish their NFC quest, using the NFC now, against a Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team that at the time was expected to go to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers was in the midst of another, or just finished another MVP season. And what happened? Tom Brady, at every step, won those games. Because he's the greatest. It was awesome. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. And we forgot it. And I forgot it. And do you know how I forgot it? Because even though I sat there at that comeback Patriots Super Bowl against Atlanta, against the Falcons, I didn't even have money on that game, but everyone else did. I could feel America losing money as Tom Brady just whipped passes. Do you know what I did when uh, when years later the Bucks and, and an octogenarian, almost 40, 43-year-old quarterback went to the Super Bowl against the, the Chiefs? I won't say the kids' college money, but I will say they're going to community college because I put a bunch of money on the Chiefs to win that Super Bowl because I forgot that even though Mahomes is the next greatest quarterback of all time or the second greatest quarterback of all time or the quarterback of this era or whatever he is, in the moment, Tom Brady was still doing this thing called playing football. We overlook these greats the way we're overlooking LeBron. Rafa Nadal, and I like tennis, so I'm going to do it, not that long ago, won a French Open. And in tennis years, he's 183. Like, that's what he is. In, he's basically Chris Paul. He is a, he's a shriveled raisin of a, of a man in terms of tennis years. And he won a 20-second grand slam a year ago. Now, Steph Curry's example isn't quite the same. But last year, people didn't really think, oh, I don't know if the Warriors can do it. And they forgot Steph Curry, no matter how much he's been injured or what's going on, is still, I think, a top-five player, but the greatest shooter of all time. Why not LeBron James? The West is wide open. It's wide open. And LeBron's ability to under... And I know that people hate LeBron for reasons that are stupid and dumb and wrong. And people hate LeBron for reasons I get, because I I like LeBron a lot. But he is... He's like your friend. I've got a friend just like this who I'm thinking of. uh, Who you like, even though he doesn't understand how he sounds when he talks out loud to people. LeBron can be that guy. I get it. What does it have to do with, with anything? The guy is the first or second best player in the history of the sport. He's the all-time scoring leader, as you probably know, as of this year. He also this year went, and this is incredible and under the radar, he went from eighth to fourth on the all-time assist list. Think about that. And if you watch game one, even though Austin Reeves was, I'm him, is that what it was? And you are, Austin. Good job. You did it. Even though Rui hit a bunch of threes and couldn't miss. Even though Anthony Davis was... And Anthony, this is one problem with my argument, is Anthony Davis is like an egg that if you just slightly bump him, it's going to crack and fall everywhere. So that could be a problem. But if this team can stay healthy, if you watch the game, there were moments where LeBron, not for the entirety of the game, conjured 2016 LeBron James. There were defensive efforts. He had a huge three, which, by the way, he's not a great statistical three-point shooter, but he actually, in crunch time, does hit really big threes. This has been true going back really since his second year in Miami when he started figuring it out. It's become more and more true. 
the guy's a winner. He's an all-time great. And the way that we slept on all these, these remarkable goats before him in other sports, including Tom Brady. And Tom, Tom Brady was 43. There were all the reasons not to think that he could do it. He was playing in Aaron Rodgers, the most talented, I think, quarterback of all time. Not the best, different thing, but before Mahomes, most talented quarterback of all time. And in retrospect, it was never in doubt. Remember, that was a Bucs team that was a huge dog to the Chiefs. A huge dog in the Super Bowl. One. Don't sleep on LeBron James in the same way. It's not a lock. It's not a guarantee. But, but the notion they can't do it, they can't flip the script and they haven't been good, the only question for me, the only thing that can make it a near impossibility is Anthony Davis getting injured, which I understand is very, very possible. But he's not hurt now. He's currently healthy. I'm like, I'm literally I'm trying to hold my breath because I'm nervous, but it's hard to do if you're trying to talk on the Jim Rome show or do it on CBS Sports Network. It's, Half of the street clothes Davis. He, he, that's a nice way. That's a nice way to say it. I got a great Anthony Davis story about the short version. He didn't like me. Shorter version. I threatened to leave and I wasn't going to do a stupid plug of his stupid chips and he gave me an interview. Now, I'm not a big AD guy, but the guy's amazing. He's amazing. He doesn't design a great chip. Don't look it up. It was not very tasty. It didn't taste very good. It wasn't awesome. Was it onions and jalapenos? I don't know. It was almost as bad as his ability to stay healthy. But if he can, lime and jalapeno. Is it Lay's? You looked it up. Ruffles, find somebody else, man. I accidentally turned the lights off during that whole event, though. I like There's a light switch, and just the whole event went dark. That was not a good moment for me. Okay, so anyway, point being, don't sleep on LeBron James. And there's, and don't sleep, last thought on this, and we'll get the tie done. I know some of you think that LeBron can never pass Jordan. And some of us, myself included, think he already has. And by the way, I don't want that to be true. I grew up on Jordan. I grew up in Dubuque, Iowa. What's up, Dubuque? And a suburb of Chicago and then back to Dubuque. I love Michael Jordan. But it is what it is, right? It is what it is. But for those who may be undecided, 5, 10, 15 years from now when we have the GOAT conversation, people aren't going to sit at basketball reference or write up some paper for Sloan at MIT. And here's what the numbers say. It's a narrative. It's a feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a sense of what's true. If LeBron James gets a fifth ring and he does it with the Lakers team, everybody wrote off. I'm just telling you, if he carries one more team, I'm just telling you, it is significant, that argument, and he is obsessed with that. It matters to him as much as the winning. They're, they're interchangeable. Don't sleep on LeBron and the Lakers is my point. Good night now!